The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachak Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash Pachak Supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash podshock. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now in the iTunes App Store. Live from the bottom of the memory worm jar, it's... Um... Uh... Hmm. Doctor Who, Podshock. The Gallifreyan Embassy presents Doctor Who, Podshock, episode 284. help you yes if you have noticed that's um that clip may bring back memories to you that's uh from the snowman that was last year's doctor who christmas uh special and we'll be reviewing that in this episode of doctor who pachuk but before we do that let's um introduce everyone to everyone so um over to my right is my great uncle no um (laughs) Let's go across the pond first, and we're going, um, there's some choppy waters there and some brisk cold weather, but we're going to bypass all that. Let's not talk about the weather. I've had enough weather talk. So let's uh, go to Dave A.C. Cooper. Hey, Dave. You've got snow business asking for jokes like that. <laughs> I guess I, when I have to talk about the weather, it's, it's the, we're reviewing the snowmen, and then snow is involved. So there's no avoiding it. At least it's not a hurricane. It'll, yeah, it'll all end in tears. That's all I can say. <laughs> very good. Very good. Ah. I, I, I can't follow that up, but I'm going to have to because I need to uh, introduce... 
right. You need well, to introduce another fine gentleman, and once again, the illustrious Ian Bissett from from this from this side of the pond, but south of me. Ah, oh, it's good to be here. Uh, Madam Vestra was wondering if you would need any grenades. <laughs> Actually, she might have just said help. I, I didn't realize <laughs> you, you turned some taran on us. <laughs> yes, I'm the potato one. Well, we like potatoes. <laughs> yes, I like potatoes when they're turned into vodka. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Louis Trapani. At least that's what my underwear says. Uh, so I'm assuming that's who I am because... Um, I think I might have gotten bit by that memory worm as well. So, um, <laughs> actually, it was actually good. Memory worm. Yeah. What memory worm? What's a memory worm? Why, why are those gauntlets there? <laughs> I don't know. It must be useful for something. Well, as we record this, it's uh, it's actually the 13th of November. So when this goes out, it'll probably be a few days after that. And it should be, you know, people, people at least in the in the U.S. are preparing for Thanksgiving. I know Canada already had their Thanksgiving. But um, in the U.S., traditionally, that's when people, you know, once Thanksgiving rolls around, aside from, um, you know, stores and whatever that start earlier, but p- puts p- people in mind of the, the Christmas holiday. So... Um, since we need to kind of go back and review episodes that we missed while we were away, uh, what better episode right now to just in time for the holiday season is um, is the snowman, which was um, last year, like I said, last year's Doctor Who uh, Christmas special, if you will. And um, so we're going to get into that review momentarily, but we still got some news to cover first. And so what we'll do is we'll go into the news segment. The, the news hounds at work in the background with their typewriters. <laughs> You're the hound. <laughs> I don't think hounds sound that way, but <laughs> I, I, you know, you got you you got it better. I, I hear dog food's cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't prepared for a dog clip. Uh, the, the, the best I can do is this. See, the memory worm got to canine as well. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. Well, um, this is something that I, we hope you might remember is um, is is that there's going to be a mini episode, a new Doctor Who mini episode. And when we say mini episode, we're, it's what's traditionally what they're calling a prequel, even though technically I'm not going to get into it, but whatever. A, a prequel, and it's called – this is a prequel to – the Day of the Doctor, which is the 50th anniversary special, which is, uh, speaking of Thanksgiving, which is coming around Thanksgiving, it's it's actually on the 23rd of November. This mini-episode is called The Night of the Doctor. Obviously, I, I, as I said, it, it sort of sets up what we're going to see at the 50th anniversary. Now, there's not a lot of details about it, and obviously um, we can't really talk about the mini-episode yet because we haven't seen it yet. There actually was a, an image released today, but um, I don't know if we want to. Uh, well, yeah, uh, you're talking about the with um, the two doctors holding the sonic screwdrivers up in the air. Is that the image? No, no, oh. it was an image actually from the night of the doctor, supposedly. Oh, that okay. was, uh, that's found its way out there. Hmm. It's not terribly spoilerish. Um, it's just a bunch of women in red uh, cloaks and stuff. Which, of course, everybody looks at that and goes, it's the Sisterhood of Curtain. It's the Sisterhood of the Flame. It's like, yeah, just like the ones in Pompeii. 
So, yeah. So, the mini... Usually spoilerish. It's just a... I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to just talk about women in red, uh, red cloaks and gowns and not, stuff. And, uh, yeah, the, the, the cloaks, not scantily clad women, so it's... No, unfortunately. <laughs> it's a shame. So the, the mini episodes... I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say the mini episode is scheduled to come out this Saturday. <laughs> I just before we, I just want to be clear that that's um, the Saturday at the time we're recording this. So I'm not sure when this episode gets out, but it may have just when you listen to it, it may have just premiered or it's about to premiere. So in which case, it's either you know the spoiler for something that's about to happen right now or it already happened now. <laughs> yeah, well, well you it's old hat for you already and knowing you when i say you i'm talking about doctor who fans in general you've probably seen it countless times and went frame by frame and saw every little detail that there is so the ronnie in the background the there, ronnie yeah. in the background and alligators in the yeah. sewer no i'm just the ronnie in the background now, another thing i was going to say is wasn't the 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 rumor about this night of the doctor is that it was going to to feature a doctor, but not necessarily they were saying which doctor was going to feature in it. There's a witch doctor involved. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. We don't. I mean, um, it's not not a spoiler because it's been all. I mean, it, it's all common knowledge now. But they, we know there's at least three doctors to choose from right now. Um, if you count one of them as the doctor, yeah. <laughs> there, there's so many theories out there and, and, and people have been sharing it on the net and about you know the John Hurt character so um, some of them are pretty interesting but even though it's all speculation sometimes I worry about talking about speculation because it might some of the speculation may actually be the case and then we're spoiling it for people so I, I don't know it's a, a little sticky tightrope to travel across when, talk, when speculating um, this close to the release Speculating about the speculation of, you know, <laughs> may or may not happen to come or so, not. But just uh, as far as the day of the Doctor, the actual um, anniversary special, it's 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 a seventy-five minute episode according to um, uh, what's 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 released. It's coming out on um, November twenty-third, the twenty-third of November at seven fifty p p.m. on BBC One. And then um, I'm, it's um, on BBC America as well. Is it going to be the same date? Um, as is it the twenty third? They, are they still keeping the same um, schedule that, like that? Yeah, I think they're trying to. Yes. Yeah. Because there's also the children in need on Friday, and um, and they're also with the children in need. There, they're having a clip. They're going to be showing a clip from the day of the doctor. So, um, do you think the the mini episode will also be during Children in Need, or would this be separate? Well, this is a rather strange thing here in the UK because um, in, in previous weeks, uh, some fans of the UK have been moaning about, you know, BBC America's got the you know Doctors Revisited and BBC this is getting that, and we were feeling uh, rather short shrift here in the UK, and now suddenly, you know, it's almost as though. You know, the bubble's really swelling up. I mean, we're, we're getting uh, uh, Doctor Who interrupting eye dents uh, uh, in, uh, during the course of uh, shows. We're getting um, little uh, views of the TARDIS appearing in certain shows, like the Graham Norton show. And we're hearing about radio 
Doctor Who radio trailers and all sorts of things. And suddenly, you know, um, there's almost this, uh, you know, explosion of things. Because, of course, when we think about it, and I find this very difficult to believe, guys, that, you know, uh, after all this long way that seems to have dragged on and dragged on, uh, you know, we're now, what, ten days away uh, it's, 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 I just remember, you know, last year, it's like, oh, it's, it feels like it's never going to come, but now it's here, and it's like, before we know it's going to be gone. Um, yeah, the count- yeah, they did say that, uh, I mean, you got to hand it to Stephen Moffat, he said that Doctor Who's going to take over TV, so, well, take over everything, um, so it, it looks like he, there's, there's been some definite plans, at least waiting until, you know, until well, now they're definitely stuff. spreading things out though because like the this past weekend they released the well first of all we we, we failed to mention this that there was a a trailer if you will a promo video that for day of the doctor that was originally leaked out it was i think from a spanish market television station because it had uh, i believe it was spanish or uh, if i'm not mistaken uh, non-english subtitles on this promo and then this got pulled from the various sources on the internet and then the bbc actually released the legitimate one which i believe the first one was like 40 seconds long and then they released a second yeah. one which was i think um a minute and change about 80 seconds long yeah yeah so those both came out on um and then bbc america had their version which was similar had some slight alterations i not nothing major Uh, i think uh uh, mike one of our uh, company collective said Mm -hmm. that um it it was just slightly in a different order that you didn't actually get any nothing new just just rejigged yeah so you would have to kind of watch them side by side to really because I, I didn't see any differences, so you know, other than the BBC, you know, thing at the, uh, BBC America, um, prom, you know, screen at the end, and and of course the little bug in the corner that says BBC America instead of BBC. So, but what I'm getting at is that that was sort of spread across. They didn't just release both of them at the same time. That was spread across the weekend, or at least Saturday, or whatever. So, um, what they made to because now children, you know, for those that don't aren't familiar with Children in Need, it's a fundraiser charity event that takes place every year. Traditionally, this time of the year, like the uh, middle of November, or um, so, is, is there some sort of significance yep. to the date? Dave? Well, they're trying to they are, they're trying to avoid you know the sort of uh, um, that we've just had what we call Armistice Day. We, we I think in the states it's called Veterans Day. Mm-hmm. So they they obviously try and avoid the eleventh of the eleventh, um, but I think it's usually any in the week following that, um, and of course it's before the Christmas schedules kick in as well. Um, uh, that's one of the reasons why uh, Graham Norton would normally be on Friday. That's that's being postponed because on, on the next Graham Norton they're going to have uh, Matt Smith and uh, David Tennant. So that's going to be the, the the Friday after. Sorry, we're jumping about in our little notes here, but um, but, but the children need so, special yes, stuff is like eight hours sure. long, right? It's like a marathon. Oh, it's, it, it, uh, it's it's the biggest it's the biggest event because as well uh, this. Obviously, in America, you have all these different states, but in the UK, uh, many programs are, are the same nationally. Where in this one, they have, you know, it, for certain sections, they go to local TV stations. So uh, when I'm watching here in Manchester, there will be the national thing. And then for 15 minutes, they'll go to a local gathering in Manchester, you know, for locals to whip up and encourage people to um, uh, uh, vote 
well, not vote, but to pledge money here in your own area. But it is a mammoth undertaking. This Strictly Come Dancing, which is like you're dancing on ice and lots of little specials, little one-offs. Um, I mean, it is a massive undertaking, and all the people that appear in it, you know, waive their fees. I mean, they, they probably get expenses, or a, I think they may all get, you know, a standard 500 fee just to cover their out-of-pocket expenses, but basically all the all, all the, the people give their time uh, for nothing. It's a massive thing. I mean, uh, they can hit £20 million, and, and over the course of the following weeks, with money coming in, it can hit 30, 40 million years. Uh, 40 million years? <laughs> that's not too coming. Now, is it multiple children's charities, or is it one particular uh, charity that... It's always it's always a fifty fifty split between uh, domestic charities and foreign ones. Okay, now, but they WhatsApp, split it over yeah, different yeah. children's charities rather than. It oh being yeah, 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 yeah. There's an, I think there's an organisation that will dole out, but 50, I think fifty percent goes abroad. It may be slightly less than that. With the big disaster in the Philippines, that's that's that's. Mm in the headlines at the moment, uh, that may get the lion's share of the overseas money. Because uh, I know the UK government have pledged like 10 million in aid straight away. And, it, and I'm talking in pounds, of course, when I say things like this. Uh, but um, so that that's going to colour, I would think, uh, the international giving side of it. Mm-hmm. So and th- so this runs all day Friday on th- this this coming this th- is it it's this Friday right the day yes, after tomorrow it's this coming Friday yeah, yeah. yes so it may have come to pass when the show goes out yeah and of course yeah. the day before that on the fourteenth is uh, we've got the uh, the Brian Cox uh, Science of Doctor Who as well which is another big event so now, now uh, Doctor Who's um, long long been associated with with children in need and. Mm-hmm. Um, when the series came back, the first time that uh, that uh, Doctor Who had anything on there from the new series was, of course, um, the mini episode. Uh, it was called the, the Pudsy Cutaway at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's that little intervening clip uh, right after um, uh, the Doctor regenerates uh, into, from Eccleston to, to Tenet. There's a, a little bit of interplay between him and, and Rose at that yeah. point, and so if you've seen that, that's that's the first time in the new series that that, that they got back involved with uh, children in need. So, um, and of course, every year there's been one. I think uh, I think last year was I think they had actually had a scene from uh, the Christmas special. It was introduced by uh, Matt Smith and uh, Jenna Louise Coleman. It was actually the first time you kind of saw the two of them together. So, it's always like a yeah. an event, so it gets people to tune into um, children in need, you know, and obviously raise money for it. Usually, during these scenes, they'll have a number on the bottom that you can call in. Obviously, a, a local to, number to the UK that you can call in um, to donate money. So it's and and as Ian said, this is a long tradition. Even going back before the series came back, there were some Doctor Who related children in need events. You know, so it, even if it was just. People coming on from the show. I mean, didn't it, there was one where they had the TARDIS on stage, and the, like all these doctors were coming out, and all the doctors came out, yeah. and then they, right. uh, they came out with a, a, a big check. And stuff. Yes, uh, yes, yes. There's been a couple of those actually where they've, they've, they've all shown up and stuff. So, I mean, one of the, the one of the things to look out for, I think, it, between eight thirty and nine, 
um, the Doctor and Amy throw a tea party in the TARDIS and serve a sneak peek at this year's Doctor Who Christmas special. That's going to be that. But there's also John Barrowman, 9.30-10, John Barrowman hosts fantastic musical fundraiser from Glasgow. 10 o'clock, uh, Mastermind Children in Need. Uh, there are all sorts of things. Uh, 8 to 8.30, Callum and Oak performs live in the studio. Uh, and then there's a, a Strictly Come Dancing special. Uh, just after midnight, there's exclusive children in these performance from West End Smash Phantom of the Opera. I mean, this is not just... Uh, and forgive me for, for, for going back to your, your spent youth, Lewis. It's not just <laughs> ten people manning a phone saying a pledge for Dot 2 to be on your oh, local station. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's much more massive than that. Yes. It's a massive undertaking, yeah. I do believe, too, and I could be wrong, but it's worth a try, of course. Um, I think one year, actually, uh, I um, was able to do- donate, too, so I do think... That they kind of accept uh, donations from anywhere. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they won't turn you... I mean, I didn't mean to imply... I'm just saying the phone number on the bottom, I didn't no, want I people just, yeah. to you know, just know that's I mean, a local phone. People yeah. think are, are glad to see the, that kind of content and, and, uh, and want to give just because it's a, a British thing doesn't mean you can't go on there and, and, didn't, and, and, and am I misremembering but I didn't like the didn't um, it also like tie into iTunes last year or maybe the year before where um, I didn't they have the clip available on iTunes and whatever and I think whatever money was raised you went could to you could, yeah, yeah. Right. I do believe there's already a yeah. listing on on there um, for the night of the doctor Okay. Well, that's then. You know what? I then I urge. There's already a space reserved. I, I urge people to do it that way. This way, the money goes to a good cause. You get a, you get a clip, and it all works out. I mean, it's. I'm sure it's not terribly expensive. No. All right. Well. Now, speaking of terribly expensive, um, that might be the case for the BBC if the son of the author who wrote The Unearthly Child, which was Anthony Coburn, uh, he, he, when I, The Unearthly Child was the first Doctor Who story that went out, the pilot. The son of that author, which I think his name is Steph, Steph Coburn, is now yes. suing the BBC, saying that he um, that his father had the copyright to the TARDIS, since he sort of like invented the TARDIS concept when he wrote An Earthly Child. His father passed away in 1977, and so now he's seeking to have funds for every time the TARDIS was used in Doctor Who, which is like every episode. <laughs> he's looking for compensation or something to that effect, you know, and uh, I don't know I don't know the legalities of it all, but um, it's just strange that after, you know, that it took the, you know, he, his father passed away in 1977. Here we are now at the 50th anniversary, and it took this long well, before. No, 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 no. I think the thing is that he's only just come to feel as though he's the copyright holder because it, it was his, his, his father, grandfather. Then it went to an aunt, and now that aunt has died, and it's so he he's claiming that he didn't, he wasn't in a position. To, to have litigation, but when he when it first and, and I'm not legal a bit, it's just what I've read. When he when he first this first came up, it seemed as though all he wanted was recognition, or you know, some even just something on the credits to say that you know, uh, well, give him some. Wasn't credit. he also upset? And, and then, okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, but but then it seems to be now talking about but then wants compensation for every time it's being used. 
since then. Now, because apparently when, when the whole scripts were being sorted out, uh, the actual shorthand for the TARDIS was, you know, just some everyday place, like um, it could be a, a, a workman's hut or anything. So there was no specific thing given. But you can argue the same. I mean, I, I would have sure the BBC had argued exactly the same that they did with the design of the Daleks. The, the, the person who actually designed the, the actual look of it, the, the man who built it, uh, famously got something like £10 for it, didn't mm-hmm. he? Um, um, but um, the other thing is, of course, this has been challenged before. The, the London police challenge because it was based on a London police box. Yeah, that, and, that and exterior. And yeah. thrown out of court. Mm-hmm. The, the, the big thing here that, that, that's, that I've seen, that which could basically put the tabosh on anything, is that uh, I think it was back back at the time when when um, the police were challenging them over it, is that uh, the BBC have copyrighted TARDIS. Mm-hmm. Now, because that was never contested when the copyright was put in place, there's not really any legal yeah. standing. Uh, it was never challenged at the time, so um, yeah. And it does seem rather I mean, I know this has been going on. It, it didn't just happen this week. It's been going on for a little while now. It's actually held up um, a rebroadcast of An Unearthly Child on the BBC because of this, but uh, the BBC, uh, I think, announced today uh, that they're going to be going ahead with that rebroadcast yeah. uh, regardless. Uh, so, but I mean, it's one of those things. That's, well, I, 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 also, I understand that this that this gentleman feels that his father, you know, contributed a great deal to the show, but he was working for the BBC at the time. You know, the same thing can be said for for uh, uh, I've forgotten his name now. The man who invented the Daleks. Well, that's what I was just saying. Kusak. I forgot three memory worms in this room. Oh, what? <laughs> Sorry, let me go get the gloves. I'll get the memory worm. <laughs> um, but no, but, but the point I wanted to bring up is he was alive for a very long time and, and finally got some recognition, but he was happy enough with that, or at least he seemed to be on the outside, that, you know, he was happy enough with yeah. that. R- Raymond Kuzak was the uh, designer of the Daleks. Um, yeah, right, so. yeah. Uh, he seemed to be. Yeah, who designed the Daleks, by the way? <laughs> um, oh, there was that guy. Um, Raymond. Kuzak, I think. Uh, Kuzak. <laughs> there seems to be a carriage on top of me. Sorry. <laughs> I appear to have been run over by a carriage. Do um, these gauntlets belong to anyone? But, <laughs> but the main thing is, is that I don't understand about this gentleman is that uh, recognition is one thing. You know, um, if they come to an agreement that his father did contribute a significant amount to the idea, then fine, put his name in the credits. I don't have a problem with that. Well, I, I understand. I think also and part of it. The gentleman, is making, the gentleman is making these claims is now looking for monetary compensation for an idea that was not his. He, and so basically, it looks to be from the outside because, again, we're going off based off of news reports, you know, um, of what people are saying is happening. It appears to be that he's trying to gain monetary compensation for something that was not his to begin with. Yes, he now supposedly is the rights holder, but um, it just seems to be from the outside. He's just trying to make a buck off Doctor Who now, and he's making a lot of noise now that it's the 50th anniversary. And it, it just, it just, 
I don't think he's doing himself any favors by what he's doing. I mean, I saw him on Twitter the other day um, tweeting at uh, uh, Jonathan Ross saying, hey, here's my story. Uh, we should talk. And to be honest, it's like, what, you did that in public? You couldn't have just written to, you know, Jonathan Ross? Um, kept it, you know, between the two of you? Uh, it just doesn't look very... It's not giving himself a very good image. But then again, that said, um, I do have a bone to pick with Doctor Who fans who are slagging this guy off in public forums and on Facebook and Twitter. Um, yeah, we're not doing ourselves any favors. Uh, yeah, I was just um, saying, it doesn't make we're you Doctor look... Who fans. You know, like, like I said on Twitter the other night, I tend to think of Doctor Who fans as being a little better than most people because of the Doctor. It's the person that we chose to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we're better than that. Uh, it's better to take the high if road. If you want to tell the man what you think, then tell him in uh, polite terms. There's no need to to, to, to resort to name-calling. You don't do yourselves any favors, and, you know, we're better than that. Well, of course, we, we don't know all the ins now. I mean, this well, claim yeah. might, be bit, might be bigger on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> Well, also to to my understanding, I want to forget that joke. <laughs> also, to my understanding, the the situation is that also with the the adventures, an adventure in time and space special, which is the docudrama that chronalizes the creation of Doctor Who. Uh, what they had to do with this docudrama was, uh, since there were so many people involved with Doctor Who, it, would, it wouldn't be possible to involve everyone in the show. So they combined efforts that multiple people put in and they, they made it into, you know, they, they, they just focused on a handful of characters. Well, I say characters, but they're real-life people. But they, they, they combined the efforts of many people into, um, let's say... Davershire, who did the, and and um, you know for the music and the sounds and all that, or they they might have done. I haven't seen it yet, but this is from what I understand. So, but to my understanding is that his father, the the writer of the Unearthly Child, isn't represented in this docudrama, and that's I think my my and again I don't know for sure, but I'm speculating that maybe this was part of the fuel, um, or, you know that that added to the fire here. You know, because again, his father was not getting the recognition that he feels his father deserves. But it seems funny that he wants payment uh, for the use since his father's death. What strikes me is he, he's thinking, well, my father wouldn't have agreed to this, so I'm not going to ask for money while he was alive. Anyway, we, we can't judge it, and we're not legal people. We're just giving uh, our own personal opinions on the matter. Yes. We did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. <laughs> <laughs> American but, um, joke. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> uh, I didn't understand it, yeah. Um, Here, have but, a memory worm. But I, I think we ought to just say that the, this uh, adventure in time and space, if we can move on, because mm. we have got uh, work to get through, um, uh, received a standing adventure. Uh, uh, adventure? Ovation. <laughs> well, it's a, it was a standing adventure as well. <laughs> yeah, I've got a feeling that people listening to this podcast are going to have a memory worm thrust upon them at the end of it. But um, They're going to be wishing uh, for a memory worm. The, the, uh, <laughs> yeah, at the BFI premiere, I mean, it apparently got a five-minute standing ovation, and uh, certain people that uh, Ian 
follows their Twitter avidly, you know, mm-hmm. made great... Uh, that's the British Film that. Institute, BFI, just to be clear, just so our audience knows, is the yeah, British uh, Film Sorry, Institute. yes, indeed. Okay. Uh, I mean, it must have been marvellous to see. I mean, apparently some people who weren't able to get tickets when they went on sale waited eight hours outside to see if there were any t- tickets where people hadn't turned up, you know, where they were ill and didn't turn up, because obviously your seat's only reserved up to a certain point. Um, but it seems... and. In fact, the only the only downside I can see of this is uh, growing within a, a number of Doctor Who supporters, and I think Ian might actually stand amongst these, are looking forward more to the adventure in time. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of fans that have vocalized that. You know, I've seen a lot of posts and, yeah. on Twitter and Facebook saying that, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to an adventure, and not to slam the day of the Doctor because they haven't seen it yet, but, I mean, it's just... This is the origin. This is what it's all about. This goes back to 50 years on how it all came about. And and, and a lot of that hasn't been given its due in the mainstream. You know, everyone sort of, you know, as far as Doctor Who mainstream goes, it's sort of like 2005 up, you know, to, to present. And a lot of the history is being, you know, is somewhat ignored. So it's great that there's some love giving to how the series originated and came about. Now, we had mentioned in our last show that Mark Gaddis had said that he's prepared for an onslaught of Doctor Who fans, you know, crying, you know, foul or whatever. But I think this might go back to what I said before, that certain things, certain liberties had to be taken place in order to focus on only a handful of people. Otherwise, it would have been too complex to give everyone their due or, you know, to to have, every, you know, everyone that was involved in the show. Because it wasn't like Gene Roddenberry with Star Trek or George Lucas with Star Wars. It was, I mean, everyone, there are a lot of people that made significant contributions to the series when it was starting, you know, and it's, it's, it would be hard to encompass all of that. I mean, from, from what I heard from the screening, um, there was one reviewer who uh, was in tears. Um, he was so kind of over run by emotion of it um, mm-hmm. and I mean the, 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 one of the reasons why I'm looking forward to this and, and a lot of fans are is because unlike Dave most of us weren't alive <laughs> <laughs> I was only alive I was 17 <laughs> well, but now, cool. now that you mentioned Dave no seriously now that you mentioned Dave now we know for those that don't know the Doctor Who Doctor Who An Unearthly Child was the pilot episode the first episode of Doctor Who Um, in fact they had two pilots but the the finished one went out on November 23rd now this of 1963 this happened to be the day after another significant event Dave Cooper's birthday no I'm talking about another significant event in the U.S. was uh, Kennedy John F. K. John F. Kennedy the president of the time uh, was assassinated so that kind of flooded um, everyone's it flooded the news media obviously but it um, distracted a lot of people so um, they then rebroadcast on Unearthly Child the week after. So now I'm going to ask Dave. So many people say, "Oh, well, um, one of the you, there are certain events in life that you always remember exactly where you were when you heard the news." And I'll ask you: Did was the Kennedy assassination one of those events for you? Um, d- um, did you catch the Absolutely. Unearthly Child on the first run or the second week, or did you catch up and talk to after it was running a little bit? Um, how does how did that play? Fifty years ago, there, you. There, there are uh, there are two. I mean, apart from personal uh, events in my life, there are two that uh, that, that strike 
instant memories like that. The most recent one, of course, was the the, the Twin Towers thing. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, that because I was actually in bed. That was late at night here when I heard about that. But um, no, uh, I was with uh, one of my well, actually my main friend David, another David. Uh, we were both seventeen. We joined this particular club where they played snooker and that, which is uh, I think. Uh, it's where you have the big table, not these little bar pool ones that you have. Uh, in this little group, we'd just uh, been accepted. We the, the letters go in there uh, Saturday afternoons and play and things like that. And I think I heard it on the radio because in those days, even though television was, uh, you know, a big feature of our lives already, uh, TV was definitely more for the evening. There wasn't a lot of... I, I believe in America that morning TV has always been pretty firmly in place. In the UK, TV... You know, it was when you'd done your homework when TV came on. You know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't all that. I mean, BBC Two, I don't even think, started at 6 o'clock in the evening. So I, I definitely heard it on the radio. And it was a lot of discussion. But it was it was on so much that I do remember that we did watch it. But the, there was so much going on and the, and the world was in shock. And there was all this thing about... To put it frankly, some people weren't wondering whether we weren't going to have a world war after this event. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, and I'm not talking now about, um, you know, um, conspiracy theories, but some people still thought it might be a prelude to something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, mean, it, uh, I mean, it was shockwaves around the world. Uh, and, and then it happened on your birthday. The, well, my birthday is the 22nd, so... Well, did it, wasn't the assassination but, uh, on, the sec- on the 22nd? Well, it, it's, yes, oh, well, well, indeed it was, well, but it, I, I'm, try, I'm trying to remember because of the time zone differences. Yeah, it might have been. I mean, yeah. It was in Dallas, uh, which is, I don't even think that's Eastern time, is it? No, it's, it's, I think it's uh, Central or... Um, Central, so it's like six-hour difference, so, so obviously... It, it might have been the next, for you, it might have been the next day is what you're getting at. It, close may to well, it. it may well have been, yeah, it may well have been the same day. The 23rd, mm-hmm. when when all these things came together in terms of uh, us being aware of it, and then as you quite rightly say, uh, because many people it had just got lost uh, in the news, and that was mirrored. Oh God, that was terribly mirrored here in the UK uh, when the twin towers. I mean, not only was that a disastrous area, but there was a very very. Uh, public humiliation of uh, uh, some person in government who uh, sent out a memo saying uh, if you've got any bad news get it out today meaning that because of all the horror you could you know if you had any bad news to get any, any bad statistics uh, you you know they'd get lost in the uh, in the uh, in the noise uh, that person was I think they lost the job over that when it came to light. But anyway, I'm sidetracking somewhat now. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I do remember having said that, that when it came to the week later, we were glad in one way that it was going to be shown again because, um, you know, um, we hadn't been able to really concentrate on it. And I, I think I remember that, um, you know, we'd had the, tele- the television had been given over for us to watch it because, of course, it was on wall to wall. So it wasn't as though, you know, there was more information coming out at that time. So, yes, um, it, uh, that was a very, very difficult day. Obviously, I had mixed emotions of a, as a young 17-year-old wanting to see this thing. And I know people keep saying this was a children's programme, but it was really 
young adults. It was mm-hmm. then classed as family viewing. Yeah. So it, it really was. And I don't, we can't spend too much time on this, but yes, um, I cannot believe that that is 50 years ago. I mean, somebody, some memory worms had to go at me because <laughs> it doesn't seem half that time. Wow. Well, I, I'm I'm glad we get some first-hand information from someone that was there for for the premiere at the time. I mean, for us, like Ian said, you know, we we weren't around, and you know, we can only you know kind of speculate on how it was. And so, it, I I think we're all looking forward to this un, um, an adventure in time and space. It's um, it's it's due it's due out um, a couple of days before the. Um, the fiftieth anniversary, right? I think maybe the twentieth. Yeah, or? on the twenty-first. Yeah, twenty-first. Yeah, okay. And by the way, we did. We didn't just say when we mentioned the unearthly child showing. That's yes. going to be they rebroadcast in that a cleaned-up version. Yeah, but no, no, no. It's going oh. to be um, they, they, uh, like a an enhanced version. I think. Like they, they're. Well, I don't know about. I, I mean, are they like upscaling it to HD, maybe or? That's possible, but apparently it, it is. It is supposed to be. Um, yeah, a cleaned-up version of it. Okay. Uh, and um, they took out all the cuss words. Feverishly look- <laughs> <laughs> well, like, swaggering and, st- and, and swearing that the doctor does. <laughs> yeah, is that bit where the, the, the policeman at the front at, at the beginning uh, trips over and starts cursing and swearing? <laughs> well, that's what, that's one of the trivia questions of Doctor Who. Who was the first face you saw on oh, Doctor Who? Mm. And, of course, it's the policeman outside, but apparently two different actors played that, one for the pilot episode and the one that was eventually the screened episode. Yeah. Yeah, so um, what, what, for those that, that don't know, there were two pilots that were done. There was the original pilot, and then, um, then they decided to refine it a bit, and they redid the pilot again, and that was the one that actually went out. It's essentially the same pilot, but they, some tweaks were done. Hey, you heard us talk about the Doctor Who mini-episode, The Night of the Doctor. Well, <laughs> little did we know when we recorded this that hours after we were done recording this episode... Uh, the BBC released Night of the Doctor, the mini episode, much sooner than we had anticipated. We had it was our understanding that it was going to be released over the weekend, and it was released on Thursday, early Thursday, I should say. Therefore, we didn't have a chance to talk about it in the news section. But if you skip to the end of this episode, well, don't skip. But when you get to the end of the episode, there'll be some comments about Doctor Who, the Night of the Doctor which is a new mini-episode. Uh, by the time you hear this, it may not be as new, but it's it will still be fresh. In case you haven't seen it yet, that's why it's being put on the end of the episode, so this way there's no spoilers, so you don't have to fast-forward. You can just play naturally, and it will be there at the end. So at the end of this episode, I'll have some comments about the Night of the Doctor, and then in our next episode, we'll have more discussion about Doctor Who, the Night of the Doctor, and, and the few surprises that it had for us. And if you have not seen the mini-episode yet, Doctor Who, The Night of the Doctor, what are you waiting for? You can watch it on our website. It's available. It's up on our site. Uh, go to uh, podshock.net or gallifermacy.org, and you can uh, it's posted up there. It should be still be on the front page. You can watch the mini-episode, The Night of the Doctor. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with our review of The Snowman. Oh, 
Hello, this is Katie Manning, and you're listening to Doctor Who Podshock. Or as I read it, Pooshock. <laughs> hey, what will you be listening to after this podcast? Yes, when Doctor Who Podshock is over, and yes, it does actually does come to an end at some point, what will you be listening to? How about a Doctor Who adventure, a Doctor Who audio adventure? And you can get your Doctor Who audio adventures at Audible. Audible has over 280, well, they have about 280, um, at last count, Doctor Who stories available or titles that you can choose from. And Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. They have over 85,000 titles to choose from in all different genres, not just Doctor Who, not just science fiction, but also comedy, business, romance, etc. Audible has it. Audible will play on your iPhone it will the, the titles will play on the Kindle, Android, over 500 devices for listening anytime and anywhere. And for you, listeners of Doctor Who Podshock, Audible is offering your free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so you have a chance to check out their service. Now, how do you get this free audiobook? Well, simply go to audibletrial.com slash podshock for your free audiobook. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash podshock for your free audiobook. And as always, we like to make a recommendation. And now that the date is nearing, you know, the anniversary, it's also um, this story takes place on the 23rd of November, 2013, just a few days from now, or when you're listening to this, maybe a few days ago, or maybe it's today. It's Doctor Who, The Time Machine. It's by Matt Fitton, and it's narrated by Jenna Louise Coleman, or Jenna Coleman, Michael Cochran, and Nicholas Briggs. So, it's a new adventure. It's not based on an existing story. It's a new um, story. So, uh, it's part of the Destiny of the Doctor series. So, it has music and sound design. Well, you don't need me to tell you about it. Why don't I just play a little sample of it right now? Sunlight colored its sandstone columns gold, casting shadows beyond the balustrades and parapets above. Like a mini St. Paul's, its domed lead roof shone silver in the crisp morning light. She was going to be late, which was ironic, considering what she'd be late for. Look out! Alice shouted. A man in an old-fashioned jacket and bow tie stepped off from the pavement in front of her, concentrating intently on a handheld device. She swerved to avoid him, and the man spun awkwardly out of her way. Texting. The streets of Oxford were pregnant with near collisions between cyclists and inattentive road crossers. Accident statistics were probably available somewhere. Alice liked numbers. She made a mental note to look them up. In another five minutes, she'd reached the Earth Science area. The professor had co-opted the lab from the geology people when they'd realized they had more rooms than fellows. Alice stopped at the traffic lights. If she could have told herself 11 months ago all she knew now, she wasn't sure she'd believe herself. In fact, Alice thought, I might put that theory to the test. It was Saturday, 23rd of November, 2013. The day the human race discovered time travel. Doctor Who, The Time Machine, 
performed by Jenna Coleman, with Michael Cochran as Chivers, and Nicholas Briggs as the Crevitz. While his assistant cycled through Oxford, Professor Chivers was in his laboratory. His trembling fingers adjusted a set of controls and the static cleared. I am receiving you, go ahead. We're on the final street, the time core, the power source. It's in the usual place. A fist-sized cube sat on his workbench between two speakers. It looked like smoked glass, yet magnetic clips held wires to its surface connected to an amplifier. Green bars bounced on the display in time with the voice. Thank goodness for Alice, the professor thought. She'd be here soon. Alice had set up the sound system, swapping his old-fashioned record player for a digital streamer linked to this strange, cubic, whatever it was. While Chivers was comfortable with transistor radios and gramophones, along with temporal theory and particle physics... Once again, that's Doctor Who... The Time Machine. That could be your audible selection. It doesn't have to be. You could choose whatever they have available for you to choose from. Uh, again, to get your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash podshock to download your free audiobook. All right, we're gonna. So, uh, are we gonna do the news now? <laughs> yes, someone did. Someone get the memory worm. <laughs> yeah, because I've I've just seen that um, uh, the BBC have just released a video of an event by BBC Cumbria Wales, where the Doctor Who lead writer Stephen Moffat looks back over fifty years of the show, an evening with Stephen Moffat. Oh, no, I didn't know On about the BBC that. BBC iPlayer. Excellent. Um, yeah, I, I believe that was a live event that, uh, that happened, I think it was like last week. And I'm trying to now find where I read about the, um, the fact that it, it, it was going to be a cleaned-up version of um, uh, An Unearthly Child, and I'm sure I did see it, but I can't see the link now, so apologies if that's not the case, but obviously it's definitely going to be cleaned up from the original viewing of it. But I definitely thought that I saw that. Get out of my bloody TARDIS. <laughs> it's going to have new effects. Guido's going to show... What are you doing sneaking around my bleeping <laughs> scrapyard? They... Bleeping bleepers. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, as long as it's not a colorized version, that's all I'm saying. No, they're going to have Guido, they're going to have Guido shoot first, though. <laughs> <laughs> any, any more on that? Or shall we, shall we start the Snowman review? I think we should go to the snow. There's maybe. no time like the present. There's no time like the snow. Snow time. I don't know. No, 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 no time waits. There's the seventh doctor made some sort of made some sort of snowman joke. Um, the time waits for the snowman. Something like that. Don't worry. No one's going to hurt you. Where's our thing? Silence, boy. That tracks, and as you can see, he's easily confused. Silence, girl. Sorry, lad. Sontaran, clone warrior race, factory produce whole legions at a time. Two genders is a bit further than he can count. Sir, do not discuss my reproductive cycle in front of enemy girls. It's embarrassing. Typical middle child of six million. Who are you? It doesn't matter because you're about to forget that you and I ever met. 
We'll need the worm. Sir. You'll need the what? The worm? What worm? Don't worry, it won't hurt you, but one touch on your bare skin and you lose the last hour of your memory. Where is it? Where's what, sir? I sent you to get the memory worm. Did you? When? Who's he? What are we doing here? Look, it's been snowing. You didn't use the gauntlets, did you? Why would I need the gauntlets? Do you want me to get the memory worm? You. Well, can you see it? I think I can hear it. <laughs> Oi! Don't try to run away. Stay where you are. <laughs> Why would I run? I know it's going to happen next, and it's funny. What's funny? Well, your little pal for a start. Luckily little fella, isn't he? Maybe. He gave his life for a friend of mine once. Then how come he's alive? Another friend of mine brought him back. I'm not sure what his brains made the return trip. Neither am I. I can see it. Ooh, can you reach it? Have you got it? Got what, sir? Because these are the gauntlets, aren't they? Sir, emergency! I think I've been run over by a cab! So I think we should start our review of the snowman. <laughs> I'm only kidding. Has <laughs> anyone seen the memory worm? <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a lot of fun. Um, before we talk about the snowman, just uh, just just a quick mention that there were two prequels that were um, mini episodes that that came out previous to this, which was. Um, uh, one which came out, and speaking of children in need, it came out during the ch- the children in need. It was their Doctor Who thing, which was the Great Detective. That was a short little. I hate calling them mini episodes, but a clip, whatever. But whatever it is, um, which kind of you know introduced. Um, well, not introduced because we've seen these characters before, but kind of put you in the mind frame that these are these characters will be in this Christmas special. You know, because these characters were in a, a, a Good Man Goes to War, which was um, from the previous series, and, and then that was on uh, November sixteenth of twenty twelve, and then on the seventeenth of December, which happens to be my birthday, we, we're, we mentioned Dave's birthday, now mine, Ian's next, <laughs> was Vastra, Vastra Investigates, which is another mini episode, which. Um, uh, again, they're free to download if you haven't seen them yet. Um, they, they just add a little bit more uh, gravy to the, to to the meal for this episode. We should say, we should say that this um, obviously was the 25th of December that this came out. Traditionally, uh, Doctor Who's been coming out on Christmas Day. This was the Snowman, which was um, last year's holiday special, uh, written by Stephen Moffat, directed by Saul Metzen, Metz, Metzen, Metzstein, Metzstein. That's so is it? Oh, all right. And it runs. Um, my count was fifty-nine minutes, but some say sixty minutes. But whatever, roughly an hour. Yeah, no, it's fifty-nine minutes. Yeah, um, overnight viewing figures were just over seven and a half million. I think seven point six million, but that went up to I was reset to nine point eight seven million, and that's not including nearly two million viewers on the BBC iPlayer. For some reason, they don't count those in. Uh, I don't understand that. 
and we should also mention that uh, it stars uh, Richard E. Grant, which again, we as I think we mentioned in our last episode, does have a history with Doctor Who. He was the original uh, ninth Doctor for the animated web version of Doctor Who before the series was relaunched, the, the television series that is. And um, another significant actor that you don't see but you hear is um, Sir Ian McKellen uh, plays the. Uh, the voice of the 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 great intelligence that's in that's uh, the adversary in this story yeah that was a I, I don't think we found out about that until like right before the broadcast or um or as it was broadcast it was uh, quite a quite a thrill yeah no i don't know why they picked it so Ian mckellen he's got a snow voice at all <laughs> <laughs> And though at the same time, it's it's somewhat disappointing because the, I enjoyed this episode very much. It's just if the the, the biggest weakness for me is actually the the, the threat is the um, if you will the villains or the the adversary. Just it, it maybe okay. It wasn't as silly as some of the other villains that we've seen in Christmas specials. So I'll, we'll give them that. And also, and at the time I thought it was a returning character, but in now in in hindsight, I think this is a sort of a prequel to maybe um, the Patrick Troughton stories with the great intelligence. Um, and, and we'll get to that a little later on. We have a, a clip that, that sort of references that. But um, it also introduces, in a sense, even though we've seen her before, but it introduces um, Clara, um, the character of Clara. Now, we've obviously, um, the series before, we've seen uh, Jenna Louise Coleman playing Oswin Oswald. Um, but, we, you know... We were all mystified because we didn't know who she was, how, you know, because we knew that the new companion was going to be called Clara. So who was this, you know? So now we meet Clara and before we go any further, spoiler alert, we're assuming you've seen this. It's a year already. (laughs) It's a review. All right. Well, I just wanted to be clear. I don't want anyone yelling foul because Clara doesn't make it through this episode. (laughs) <laughs> but from the Asylum of the Daleks, of course, we, we weren't sure whether this was going to be some distant um, ancestor, not an ancestor, because she'd be a descendant, wouldn't she? We're not sure whether yeah, the, that's right. the, the person in that would be a descendant of the Clara that we then see in the Snowman. Not not the same person at all, but, you know, ten generations uh, further down the line when we're into space and so on. What, I mean, another thing which I um, sort of liked about this story as a whole is that it, even though it's a Christmas story, it wasn't too Christmassy. You know, lately um, the Christmas specials seem to be a little. The, the previous one. Um, Snowed in every scene. It, yeah, but the, like the previous one, it seemed it seemed like uh, whatever the, from 2011, whatever the Christmas special was then. I can't remember the name. Um, it, it seemed like it was a, a Christmas Christ- Carol. Yeah, but yeah, so it seemed like a Christmas special with the Doctor guest starring the Doctor. It didn't seem like a Doctor Who episode. This one seemed more like a a, a Doctor Who episode uh, that happened to be taking place around Christmas, and um, but it wasn't he- it wasn't so heavy handedly Christmas. And I've been saying that for a while that Christmas specials don't need to you know you don't need to have all the Christmas elements in it to make it a Christmas special. You could just have the goodwill to man that type of stuff that that theme within an episode and still make it a Christmas special without having it you know so Christmassy. 
I don't mean to be a Scrooge. I'm just saying that it doesn't. You don't need. It, you don't need to be. Um, uh, you know, chained to the iconography um, of Christmas. Yeah, you do. It's got snow, and you got to. Yeah, yeah it's got to be Christmas. Which, which is why I'm not really a big fan of them. But um, I mean, I, I don't know how you listen want to, to these but, two. Eh? What's the humbug at all? Good minute. Hang a minute, hang a minute. Jeez. This guy, the, the guy who's now complaining now, I think he's had um, a memory worm because uh, <laughs> uh, when we talked about it last time, you you spent 30 minutes talking about the new TARDIS interior and the new credits and about 10 minutes on the story. Yeah? Yeah? because there's nothing wrong with it because Clara was in it. Oh my! It's going to be one of those. <laughs> well, uh, no, no, no. General Louise Coleman. General Louise Coleman did do very. Uh, it was is excellent in this story. I, you know. Um, oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, I always felt she would do, especially in this historic one. Uh, of course, I've said before that um, that new recent series that uh, was done in the UK uh, about the Titanic and the different uh, different levels of what was happening. On the, they took the same, obviously, the same time period of the Titanic sinking, but they showed it from different aspects of the ship, from the officers, from the third-class compartments, the first-class. So they would show interweaving, and she played uh, a young waitressy girl in that, and she was excellent. By the way, one of the things that immediately uh, when I was re-watching this to talk about it tonight was um, the very first scene uh, that we see her in where she's actually in the, you know, in in the, the pub and got a, a train hand. It, it took me right back and it put a shiver up me. It took me right back to the Voyage of the Damned. Uh, you know, the, the, the first scene that we see of uh, the, the, the young girl there played by Kylie Minogue. Mm-hmm. Uh, because exactly the same thing. She looks across the room, across David Tennant's in the bar there. But um, what, I mean, there's not. There's, uh, do you want to just talk and get them out of the way talking about the new TARDIS interior? Well, I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought it up because it's significant in that respect as well. That, that it introduced the new TARDIS interior, which um, I mean, up to this. Every now and then, the TARDIS gets redone. You know, both um, exterior and interior, but most drastically, the interior. So uh, this was more or less um, bringing the TARDIS more similar to what we known the TARDIS interior to look like um, back in the in, in the series. The, the classic the, series. I hate using the classic series, but yes, the classic series pre two thousand and five, if you will. So um, it was. It's interesting in that respect. It's. It's. I don't know how how both of you gentlemen feel about it, but I I thought it was. Um, I mean, I think your comment is is right on the mark. They're kind of bringing it in line. I it, it to me the opening credit sequence plus the 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 the, uh, the console rooms redo uh, really kind of did bring the series kind of in line with the classic series. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it just echoed things. We've got the. F- the doctor's face appearing in the credits and we've got you know a smaller room in appearance um with a more of a kind of a stripped down console and all this silly stuff and, and you know glass floors and all that care and, and, and while not um, ultra white it still has a it has a, like a more of a whitish gray hue than than coral right. that we've seen on 
I think it's a, a deliberate effort to, to kind of you know, echo the past, which, I mean, I love it. I'm a big fan of the new console room. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I haven't really been a big fan of, of, of any of them, any of the new series ones. I didn't really like the Coral one because I thought it made it look too... Organic. Like it, like organic. I didn't yeah. like that. It's like it's a ship. Um, yeah. It's no. I feel the same you know, way. The whole thing that and they grow and it's like yeah, it's rumor. I didn't like the uh, uh, the controllers on the console. It just looked too. It, it didn't seem functional. I, I understand the theory behind it was that the doctor just made use with whatever he had on hand to make do with what he had, and and but it just didn't seem. You know, because the TARDIS is supposed to be kind of built with block transfer computations and mathematical formulas, and I don't really see the Doctor physically building the TARDIS himself. It's, I, I don't know. So it just seemed it's it's a, more decorative than functional. It was a bit of whimsy, and uh, it was a whimsy that failed, I think. And Well, well no, I think it was, it was all right, but the thing was that you would have thought, like, because things may go wrong and it has to do running repairs, you would have sort of uh, very sort of flashy and high-tech stuff, and then alongside that, the pump and the hammer and what have you. But it was all of that ilk. Um, What I liked about it... uh, Well, first of all, I I was a little bit unsure of it at first because I don't think it was particularly well-lit to start with. And then I I remember Mm -hmm. thinking at the time that, actual fact, it may not have been so well-lit because maybe all the set wasn't built. And in actual fact, some of the, 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 the higher... Uh, shots that they did seem to be more CGI than actually a real set. But if you if you remember, as Ian pointed out, they got rid of the glass floor. I think they went for a very polished and flat floor, uh, particularly actually to aid filming, so that you know you can have a steady cam in there. Obviously, we don't see that on the program, but in terms of when they want when they have the Doctor running round rapidly round the console, as we've we've mm-hmm. learnt, of course, from Journey's End, was it whatever. Um, it, it needs six people to fly it, really, when it was designed. Mm. Uh, and that's why the Doctor's always running around from yeah. panel to panel to panel. Exactly. Uh, a little bit like typewriters, you know, you have the keys so they don't... Uh, Jam. So I think that it was, yeah, it was more compact, um, had this utilitarian look. Uh, I seem to remember thinking, and we talked about it somewhat, that um, the actual column area, thank God they got away from that, fanciful one before, but they've gone more back to the 8th Doctor console look Mm -hmm. in the central column area. But um, the other thing is, this suited the way the story started, because of course we've got the the Doctor in isolation, he's he's pulled himself, he's he's gone a little bit um, Herman-like, Herman, Herman, you know... um, (laughs) Her, not Herman and his hermits. He's, I mean, he's living on a cloud, for heaven's sake, in a box. The Herman hermits, he's yeah. distanced himself. Um, uh, we learn from the other characters that he's withdrawn somewhat. And, uh, in fact, he's almost taken them back when Clara tries to engage him in conversation. Well, you know, it's, it's the, the uh, brooding doctor stuff. again. I, we, we've sort of seen yes, it before. And, and, and the set suits that. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. Clara hit it right on, uh, hit the nail on the head, sulking. Which is sulking, what he was doing. Yeah. He wasn't brooding. He was sulking. He's like, well, I keep losing people, so I'm going to go sell this cloud. He was. He was actually sulking, which is kind of... Anyway, at least it was better than brooding. <laughs> well, and I don't understand why he's... And if he was... If that was the case, why stay on a cloud on Earth? And why why not the moon or some yeah. other planet? You know, it, it seemed kind of silly that... 
I mean, we'll forgive it because it's a Christmas special, but it just seemed kind of silly that he would be oh, in a cloud. Yeah, I, I, I want to get away from all the action, so I'll go and live in a cloud in the on the world where I've seen the yes. action, especially <laughs> in the new series. Exactly. And, and just... Go, well, before we talk about the opening credits, I mean, one of the things was this again. It had, uh, I was just checking, five and a half minutes of story we had before we went to the opening mm-hmm. credits. Uh, we had one of the first occasions, I think, of the, the actual year being shown. I mean, this has become, I mean, it's almost chiseled into mountains now, isn't it? Um, in, in some of the oh, more. Hello, sweetie. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah oh, well, yeah. Um, 1842, when we first see. That first clip when we see the young boy and apparently the snowman that he's building is talking to him, and then it says suddenly jumps 50 years later. So the main story takes place in 1892 when I wasn't around, Ian. But um, this <laughs> oh, what you were holiday? It was a good five and a half minutes there of a good story, beautifully set. I mean, um, uh, I mean, even if I go back to what wasn't a Christmas special, but the next Doctor, which I, I have mixed feelings about, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I remember saying about that, well, the, I thought it was going to be an alien world because it didn't really look, it looked like Christmas card Christmas. Mm-hmm. This actually looked good for 1892. I mean, they were scruffy, there were dirty streets. Yeah. The, the, you know, the clothes even that Clara's wearing are not... You know, they're not brand new clothes. She's got her old wrap round the sh- shoulders and so on. And um, I thought visually that good. And of course, after that five and a half minutes, we went in and we got the treat of a new uh, opening title sequence. Yeah, yeah. Um, the face in it. But I was just going to say that featured the Doctor's face, which, again, like the console, it brings it back to, like the console room the, of the TARDIS, it brings back. Um, you know, tradition from the series uh, before 2005. Because uh, that's one thing that was sort of missing from when the series came back, because it sort of was, I mean, it, the Hartnell and, um, didn't have it originally, but I mean, it, it, but it goes back to, um, I think Trouton, wasn't Trouton the first one that had the face in the opening credits? So, and then I from... I think he was, yeah. Yeah, and then from there forward... Um, we've always seen the Doctor's face in, in the opening credits. So, you know, they, each Doctor had a different way of of it being presented. You liked them, didn't you, Ian? What's that? The opening credits, the new ones. What memory were <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I remember seeing it and just <laughs> felt like a little kid when I saw Matt Smith's face because I was just like... And then the, uh, the 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 kind of diamond, almost diamond shaped kind of corridor effect. Yeah, it, it, certainly better than anything else Moffat had had since he took over. Because I, I was not a fan of anything, anything prior to that. Um, this one just kind of kicked it up a notch, and it was one of those things where you don't think they oh, they're never going to put the face in the credits because it'd be too cheesy. No, they actually pulled it off. Um, it's uh, quite nicely, you know. Uh, um, executed, you know, it's uh, it's not a big face like you know, Sylvester McCoy's painted silver face. Um, it's you know, uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it's just this kind of hint of a of a thing in a in, in a, in a um, gas cloud floating by, and it's just yeah, and like I said, and then the, the, the kind of t- the vortex effect that looked very much like kind of Pertwee's a Pertwee uh, kind of thing, just yeah. It hit a lot of spots for me. 
Well, to me, it gave me a little bit of a, a feeling of the very first Superman film where, you know, uh, Kal-El is mm-hmm. flying towards Earth, he's flying to all these nebula and so on. Um, mm-hmm. I actually prefer the, the, the new credits at the end when they're a little bit more... Uh, it, you know, more as you say in, in the core tiles where the four corners mirror one another um, mm. uh, but I think um, uh, well I mean obviously we want to hear what Lewis says but I think then the, the major uh, moment came when um, it then went into the story via TARDIS doors or something mm-hmm. that's the only thing I like <laughs> TARDIS doors <laughs> opening on the story <laughs> Not a big fan. Yeah, yeah. Didn't they use that in, on uh, on um, some somewhere uh, before the confidentials? Was that a thing at the confidentials? I don't, I don't know. I, I know it, it seemed familiar. I remember that. Yeah, not a, not a huge fan of that effect, but everything else is fine. You know. Do you actually live on a cloud in a box? I have done for a long time now. Blimey, you're really not to sulk, don't you? I'm not sulk. You live in a box. That's no more a box than you are a governess. Oh, spoken like a man. You know, you're the same as all the rest. Sweet little Clara works at the Rose and Crown. Ideas of other station. Well, for your information, I'm not sweet on the inside, and I'm certainly not... It's called the TARDIS. It can travel anywhere in time and space. And it's mine. Look at this. Go on, same. Most people do. <laughs> Smaller on the outside. So I, I think we all enjoy Clara's character music, yeah. and, and, and Jenna Louise Coleman portrayal of her. Um, with that said, do you think it seemed a little premature for the doctor to be handing his key over so so soon after meeting her? <clears throat> meeting her? I mean, he usually... No, I loved that. I loved it. I loved okay. that. Because he set us some tests. Because uh, we'd had the... Prior to that, we'd had the fact that she'd followed him to the park, noticed him disappear. Uh, well, she saw that he pulled the ladder down. Uh, gamely w- went up to follow him. Uh, at that point, she she didn't actually go inside the TARDIS. I thought she might have sneaked in. Yeah. How many times have we had snow stowaways? Uh, exactly. Stephen, I think, was that, a stowaway. That's what I was expecting, too. Uh, yeah, yeah, which, uh, you know, sounds great. And, of course, um, we, we had them climb up this um, uh, this long stairs, which later, the second time they go up it, um, she says something like, how, uh, uh, how have we got up here so quickly? And he says something like, it's longer it's, on the inside. Something, it's something like that, yeah. Uh, yeah shorter, but, um, shorter on the inside, or I don't know. No, 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 no. I think Perry corrected us on that. Uh, yeah, it was longer uh, on, the, on the inside. He should have said it was short. It's longer on the outside, so it looks very long, but when you climb up it, you get a bit quickly because it's shorter on the inside. Right. Yeah. Um, um, but no, I, I, I thought that was... Uh, she did these tests. I thought it was a marvellous moment. I mean, first of all, we had the big reveal. She goes in. Uh, that was one of the... Again, we're just getting to the stage where they can, they can perfect this... Uh, going from the outside of the box straight in and she walks in he, he turns on the light so it is a little bit better lit at this point I think that's the, actually the picture they've got on the, the Wikipedia 
snowman uh, page uh, of him, you know, going da da with his arms and her walking in. And um, she does a couple of other things. Uh, first of all, she says, uh, "Has he got a kitchen?" Well, yeah. that's yeah, that's another new There's one. Another you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so he's, yeah, so he's getting the idea that this girl's got, you know, something about her. She proves mm-hmm. that. And I must admit, I. I've got mixed feelings about Christmas specials, but when that happened, I, I was thinking, wow, you know, this is going in a different direction than I thought. Uh, I mean, it was a little bit like um, the um, the girl in the fireplace where we suddenly have a horse and you think, what the hell is that doing there? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, no, I thought that was a very, very, very memorable moment in the whole story there. Uh, and of course there's that classic scene of her falling back. Of course then there'll be lots of kids saying, Well, well why didn't you just materialise and save her, you know? Right. So she dives into the swimming pool. Oh no, mm. I've done that. Yeah. I mean it, it's one of those nece- it was one of those necessary things and the and the whole thing of the doctor acting so quickly to to basically she's the rebound girl. You know, ah, she's clever. I'm going to give her a key. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, of course, he celebrates too quickly and it gets, you know, the, the, the wind kicked out of his sails. Um, well, she, she did kiss him first. I mean, the mission. I mean, there was like an intimate, yeah. not, not an over, not a sexual or, you know, remote, you know, it was sort of, um, I don't know, a, a friendly kiss, if you will. <laughs> And, and but then she but then the doctor was sort of you know every you know was sort of a very affectionate towards her as well. There, there seemed to be a, a definite chemistry between the two. Oh, he got his bow tie a little bit straightened, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he did in the mirror. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Bow ties. When she was saying it's getting colder in here, yeah, bow ties are cool. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, going, going back, I mean, uh, one of the things about this uh, thing, we, we, I mean, the, it's called the snowmen. The snowmen are supposed to be the the main uh, uh, foe in this. And, of course, uh, as things evolve, we find out that it's not. It's um, it's this great intelligence. I mean, the worst scene for me in the story, well, well the poorest scene, I didn't like uh, that where, where the Doctor actually goes in and confronts him and tends to be uh, Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, did, we, uh, and this... this go on. No, I was just saying, didn't, didn't they also enhance that by putting the Sherlock music, the soundtrack? Um, was, didn't yeah, Murray Gold... Tin, yeah. And, uh, I'm, go did, ahead. Indeed. Yeah. And of course, Trunk and Cheek as well. Mark Gatiss is, uh, is involved in the, bringing Sherlock back to our screen. So a bit of a, uh, a tongue-in-cheek joke, I thought. But, I mean, it had been... Um, talked about our preface a little bit by when Madame Vastra is on the street earlier uh, and um, uh, there by Dr. Uh, Dr. Simeon he's called isn't he uh, confronts mm-hmm. him and, he's, uh, and he, he, he says oh it's the uh, uh, it's the, the the women the woman uh, the woman who the uh, the, the magazine's um, based on and a companion and um, of course then we get um, uh, almost a Russell T. Davieism saying, uh, "I don't like the fact that you're implying impropriety. We're married, you know, and so mm-hmm. on." 
Yeah, well, I, I think that the, that whole um, you know Vastra um, and and uh, her wife Jenny, and along with um, Strax, the Santaran, um I, I think the, the you know that, that those that trio worked very well. You know, in this episode, it, was, it applied, um, it gave us some comic relief. Um, you know, of course, uh, Strax is very unintentionally funny <laughs> and um you know it's it sort of um it, it gave that that lightheartedness to the to the christmas special so i i i didn't really have a um the only, i guess the only problem i did have was that the people of that time was a little bit too accepting of, of vastra's reptilian skin you know is that a skin condition i i don't think they were that daft to think that oh it's just a skin condition i mean he's she's obviously a reptile if you look at her skin well just to bring that in have you have you got the um the clip for well the pond bit um i'm not sure which is which we'll, we'll play the next one in order which is um this here you know what this is big fella I do not understand these markings. A map of the London Underground, 1967. Key strategic weakness in metropolitan living, if you ask me. But then, I have never liked a tunnel. Enough of this. We are powerful, but on this planet, we are limited. We need to learn to take human form. The government is our most perfect replication. Humanity. What's happening to its voice? Just stripping away the disguise. No, stop! Stop now! Cease! I command you! Sounds like a child. Of course it sounds like a child. It is a child. Simeon is a child. The snow has no voice without him. Don't listen to him. He's ruining everything. How long has the intelligence been talking to you? I was a little boy. He was my snowman. Oh, well, that didn't have the pond in it, but that, it did... No, 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 the pond's a little bit earlier. I can play that in now if you would like. We are the doctor's friends. We assist him in his isolation, but that does not mean we approve of it. So, a test for you. Give me a message for the doctor. Tell him all about the snow and what fresh danger you believe it presents. And above all, explain why he should help you. <laughs> but do it in one word. You're thinking it's impossible such a word exists, or that you could even find it. Let's see if the gods are with you. Yes? What? I'm trying to read. Miss Clara and her concerns about the snow? I gave her the one-word test. Oh, that was pointless. What did she say? Well... Well, pond. Uh, and I should just say we weren't going to play that clip, but uh, the point is that that was one of the reasons why, uh, you know, it, it, what you thought was a rush to judgment to give her the key, you know, it, 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 it obviously she she we don't know knew what the word pond had a dual meaning to the doctor, of course, but. Um, that I think was one of the things that cemented the fact that you know there's something about this girl that, that uh, I need to sort of get out of my funk and uh, go and sort out what's happening. Um, wasn't terribly fond of the, the whole uh, pond reference, but you know. Yes. Well, 
I was just to say, I mean, there's an awful lot of other casts that we haven't mentioned. We are jumping around a little bit, but I mean, um, we 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 we, ha- we find out, of course, that uh, Clara went. When we see her, she's in the, uh, you know, working as a barmaid, but she's actually on a break from her main job that she's a nanny. And this becomes, without spoiling it for other episodes, you know, the fact that she's a nanny is an important part of her personality and makeup. Uh, and of course, she uh, she works for Captain Latimer, played by uh, the marvelous Tom Ward. Mm-hmm. Tom Ward is. Uh, uh, was in Silent Witness for about 10 years. He's left it now. And he was in a brilliant, brilliant series called um, The Infinite Worlds of H.G. Wells, which is a marvellous series. Uh, and then I'm sure uh, Ian in a minute will tell us about his, his maid servant that worked for him. But th- then we have the two children, um, played by, uh, was it Ellie, Darcy, Aidan and... Um, Joseph uh, are actually real life brother and sister, so they played the part mm-hmm. of uh, the, the, the two kids, the Tom Ward, Captain Lambert's mm-hmm. ch- children. So that were, that was all there. Ian, do you want to just mention a little bit about your little uh, uniform friend? <laughs> uh, yes, uh, the the maid of the house was played by uh, Liz White. Um, those of you uh, in the know will remember her uh, from Life on Mars. Um, where uh, yeah, she played Annie Cartwright. Oh. Um, she's absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> so she, yeah. she played uh, Alice. But she was funny in this, especially maid. especially when everybody came came to the house. You know, she opens the door, his manifestra, <laughs> and then she turns around, and there's Strax. Out of my way, boy. <laughs> yeah, she, he said, yeah, so, no, she called her human scum, if I recall correctly. Yeah, she's human, like, out of my way, human scum. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I was enjoying the, this whole story until we, we got back to the house. And then I, I must admit, I felt, and this is the scene where, of course, where the, the, the ice creatures come out of the, uh, the out pond. Of the pond. Mm-hmm. Uh, but prior to that, um, uh, Clara's talking to the children in the bedroom because of course we found the other factor involved in this is the fact that she's having nightmares the young girl and it's the nightmares that are feeding this this thing in the pond uh, bring it to life and of course the great intelligence wants this body because this is going to be the template for a whole army because of course the snowmen are, are just too ephemeral they, they just won't last and um, and of course she thinks the doctor's about to come in and then this creature comes in um, and then we have it gets a little bit bizarre and then I didn't particularly like I mean I love Strax but, uh, and Madame Vastra but um, the, the door opens and there they out and, and they make this outlandish statement like I'm an alien detective and this is my wife and all this uh, and I did start to feel then when I was watching it even the first time that there were like three or four little, what if we were in a political environment, we'd call the, you know sound bites. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were little scenes that you felt, oh, th- that's for the trailer, that's for the trailer because it'll look good, but it didn't actually sound right or play right as, as the story was unfolding. But you could almost spot it as, oh, that's a ten-second clip they're going to use. That's a ten-second clip that, that, that they were going to use. Or had indeed already used. Um, so I, I, I thought it was a little bit bizarre at that point. But, I mean, it, to me, without getting to a summing up point just at the moment, this is probably about the best 
Christmas special that I've enjoyed. Uh, but I, I don't really... Because they, they, because they can break the rules and have sentiment and this, that, and the other. We've had so many times when, you know, love has conquered all, or this has conquered all, or, uh, you know, going back to the victory of the Daleks, if I can even mention that, uh, you know, where um, just emotion rules the day. And we get to this stage where, really, the Doctor doesn't solve any of these problems. Uh, they get solved by some emotion or some thing. So... Um, I don't know how far along we are in terms of uh, talking about the story as a whole, but I, I did feel it was a, a, a great cast, as I say. We've mentioned Richard East Grant, we've, uh, we've mentioned Tom War, we've mentioned uh, Ian McKellen. Uh, I'm trying to think of anybody else of a, a major character part that, that we haven't really talked about, but... Um, well, but as far as the, 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 the character itself of the great intelligence, I thought was interesting bringing... Now, this was, like I said, there was two Troughton stories that had the great intelligence in it. And now I had naturally at first thought this was going to be a sequel to those. But when the Doctor put the ice um, elements in that London Underground tin and it had a map of the underground from 1967 and showed it to the great intelligence, it, it, there was no remembrance of it, you know. Because for those that don't know, in, in The Web of Fear, which is a lost episode that they just found, which made me think now, when did they find this lost episode? Could have been before this story? And was this sort of like whetting your appetite for the release of The Web of Fear? I don't know. That's just pure speculation. Uh, those rumors have been around for a while. So, but well, it, make any the, the intelligence had no memory of of the underground. So, in a sense, maybe this was sort of introducing. Well, yeah, because he, he can't. No, because he can't time travel. Presumably, if this is eighteen. Oh, this is okay. Ninety-two. All right. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, okay. That I, these, it's the time travel element. Okay. Yeah. The, the, um, that's going to be one. Of, that's it's okay. in the ether at the moment. That's going to be one of its schemes for its future. So this happened first. So was in, that deliberate? The doctor in the, in the, using that tin. Do you think that was? Uh, did he make the connection? Did he? No. No, because he makes the. No, he makes the. I think he makes the connection afterwards. Yeah. Uh, when when they're at the graveside, mm -hmm. when they're at the graveside, uh, when things are over. And somebody says, uh, somebody said, um, I think Jenny says to the doctor, is the great intelligence uh, destroyed now? Is it dispersed? Or it can't do any harm now it's dispersed. And then, uh, and then uh, Madame Vastra says, well, yeah, it might, it might have found out that there's another weakness under London. Mm. So I think the timelines are right on that. Yeah, so in a sense, it's a prequel to um, the, the Troughton stories. In terms of... Uh, the normal progression of time, yes. Yeah, I, at least for Web of Fear. I'm not sure. Um, I can't recall now when the other, the the um, the Himalaya story, the, the 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 that introduced the the Yeti, um, when that takes place. I, I know it was Tibet, but I can't remember the time wise. How can you still exist? Now the dream outlives the dreamer and can never die. Once I was the puppet. Now I pull the strings. I tried so long to take on human form. By raising Simeon, you made space for me. I threw him More than snow, more than Simeon, even this old body. 
is strong in my control. Do you feel it? Winter is coming. Winter is coming. Citadel. Citadel is space at the table then. No mirrors, that's all it does. It's mirroring something else now, something so strong, it's drowning everything else. There was a critical mass of snow at the house. If, if something happened there... Salty. Salt water rain. It's not raining. It's crying. The only force on earth that could drown the snow. A whole family crying on Christmas Eve. <laughs> yeah, well, this is it. The thing is, the doctor doesn't solve the problem, does he? I mean, we, we've had a few of these where it's either the sacrifice of a companion or, or something else. I mean, um, he's he, he's not necessarily being the person who 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 solves things. He explains what's happened, but he hasn't actually made it coming to, to being, as it were. I think this story sort of suffers from a lot of people who complained about Star Trek The Motion Picture, where you had an adversary that you didn't really see. It wasn't in person. I mean, you had, okay, you had Dr. Simon, who Richard E. Grant played, uh, that personified the great intelligence, but it, I don't know. It seemed like we were fighting an invisible enemy. That's not to be confused with another Doctor Who story, but it's... Um, <laughs> I, I didn't get a really overall sense of danger. Um, I, I, I really enjoyed this story, but the weakness to me was, as I said at the beginning of this review, was the threat, was the villains, was the adversary. Just, it, um, it just it seemed a little shallow, and um, it, it just didn't materialize enough for me to... But I, again, I granted it, it's, it's a Christmas story. I, I guess you can't have, you know... Something that's too fearful or, or too scary, I guess. I don't know, but I, I think that's the the, the the weakest element for me in in the story. But otherwise, I enjoy. And you know, and going back to Clara, it was interesting watching it now because now that we've seen, you know, watching it the first time was before we see we understood who Clara, the aspect of Clara in the story where she originates from. You know, it was still a big mystery. So now that we know. You know, after we've seen um, the name of the doctor, you know, now we know, you know, why this is and who she is. So it's interesting seeing her now from from that perspective. And it, it made the episode a little bit more fresher because I'm seeing her differently now, knowing who she is. Well, it's certainly, yeah, I mean, it, it actually um, reinvigorates the whole story. I mean... Yeah, it's it, it's very difficult when you're watching this to to because when I watch 
new episodes of Doctor Who, and certainly when I watch Christmas ones, you know, I, I really am a little bit concerned about, you know, whether they're just going to uh, go full out, full tilt, change the rules for Christmas. I must admit, this this particular story um, stands up better to me than, than many of the others, mm-hmm. even though uh, some of the things are a little bit sweet. I don't like that resolution, but um, the way that it's cast, the way that the the, the whole lead-up plays in, I think is very good. And, of course, it, it gets bonus points for the new TARDIS and the new yes, intros. Yeah, there, there's that. lots but of significance. The thing is, as well, yeah, the thing is, we had to have a reaction on screen to what had happened to the Doctor prior to this storyline, mm-hmm. without being spoilers to the, the episode prior. Let me just uh, quickly say, of course, the, it was the, the, the previous episode had been the um, Angels Take Manhattan, hadn't it? Yes. Where, you know, certain events had unfolded. So we had to have this. We're almost a, a, a little bit like when we saw the Ninth Doctor, that's how the 11th Doctor is at the start of this. He's like the 9th Doctor. Yeah. He's a wounded but, and a, a soul. He's, he's, he can't stand any more loss and what have you. And um, the, the whole... And when you, if you do play that last clip, uh, we get the feeling that, you know, suddenly uh, his intellectual light has been switched on again and his, his desire to live has been switched on again because he now has a mystery. I never knew her name, her full name. Oswin Oswald, Junior Entertainment Manager, Starship Alaska. Souffle girl. Oswin. It was her. Run, you clever boy. Run, you clever boy. And remember. It was Souffle girl again. I never saw her face the first time with the Daleks, but her voice, it was the same voice. Doctor. The same woman. Twice, and she died both times. The same woman. Doctor, please, what are you talking about? Something's going on, something impossible, something. Right, you two stay here, stay stay right here. Don't move an inch. Are you coming back? Shouldn't think so. But where are you going? <laughs> to find her. To find Clara. <laughs> but Clara's dead. What's he talking about? Finding her. I don't know. But perhaps the universe makes bargains after all. Where are you going? Shortcut! Through there? I hate this place! Don't you think it's creepy? Nah. I don't believe in ghosts. And so, having had this sad death during the course of the story, we have an opportunity there for an upbeat ending, which I think um, mm-hmm. is really needed. Because, I mean, let's face it, we've had stories where singers die singing to uh, whales, don't we? Well, singing to uh, sharks, rather. Yeah. And, and you want something upbeat for the, for the Christmas story. You know, you want to lift... You want to... Well, at least to end on an upbeat. Yeah, exactly. Even if you have sadness and loss within it, 
And and well, we see Clara again at the end. Well, we we assume that's her, you know, again, and she's by her tombstone. <laughs> so we know that, you know, we're, 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 you know, she, even though she's dead, we're 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 not, you know, we're not, we're going to see her again. We don't know how or how it's all, you know, how this is all going to unfold. But it gives us hope, and it gave the doctor hope, and now and a new mystery to solve. Yep. All right. Well, I'm I'm going to give it um, as far as Tardis groans. Um, I, I, it's it's a strong maybe three and a half to four Tardis groans. I, I'm going to say four because of the significance of um, you know Clara or the the Tardis interior, some of the um, um, Richard E. Grant, the Ian um, McCallum. Um, I mean, there's a lot of good elements in here. Like I said, I, I just thought the adversary and the, the villains weren't strong enough, or it, the threat wasn't really there for me. I I didn't really feel it, but. Uh, the, and also the, the the chemistry of Vastra and her friends and that sort of comical thing, you know, again, with the holiday spirit and all that, I thought it was good. It's just the, the, the great intelligence I just don't find as a really compelling threat. Um, so I'll, I'll give it, like I said, three and a half to four Tardis groans. Um, I'm, I'm going to give it four. Four or five Tardis groans. There was just a couple of things that really kind of, you know, the whole Doctor Who thing being quite self-referential that seems to be popping up all over oh, the place. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was a bit overused. But, uh, yeah. Doctor Who? Doctor Who? I don't know, really. I did it again. But, you know, Strax makes up for it, and so does the memory worm. And so does the memory worm. <laughs> I was uh, waiting for that. <laughs> uh, didn't want to disappoint. But no, it's a good one. Uh, like I said, it's uh, probably one of the more Christmassy ones that we've had. Um, a nice little setting without whacking you over the head with it. Um, did like the uh, uh, one-word answer uh, quiz. Thought that was quite clever. Oh yeah, yeah, that was interesting. Except the punk bit. Yeah. I just thought that was a bit too kind of. Uh, we had to bring up her. Again, <laughs> <didn't> we? Uh, <laughs> we know you're. You're. She's not that important. <laughs> Thank Your feelings you in the pond are not are not um, yeah. hidden from us. Yes, my 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 feelings on the ponds are rather frigid, <laughs> <laughs> kind of frozen uh, over. But yeah, four out of five for me. All right. Well, uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of round us out on that then. I, I would say I give the story three out of five, but it gets the extra one for the new TARDIS, the new credits. I mean, it's bittersweet, isn't it? Because Jenna Louise Coleman comes here. She's she just leaps out of the TV. She's absolutely marvellous. Uh, one of the things that just to because Ian keeps going on about the ponds, he's so mad on them. Um, <laughs> the actress there, I think, she learnt to act during the course of being companion. And towards the end, I thought I thought she was an excellent companion and an excellent actress. But I do feel as though generally Louise Coleman, you know, from really from the start, uh, uh, the camera just loves her, and uh, yet she's got that she's got that range uh, of emotions. Um, again, she did seem to have that sort of little secret smile across her face all the way through, which I interpreted to the fact that she may know that she wasn't a girl of that time. But it seemed as no, not she, as far as she was concerned, she was living her life, even though she had a little bit of a, you know, she had a little bit of starlight in her eyes or whatever. It's only towards the death scene that um, uh, there seemed to be this connection coming, the, uh, the way she, she uttered those words. 
So there was a there was an awful lot of downside to it, but that last clip that you played, where you know it, it's invigorated the doctor, and we feel as though all is not lost. We feel as though this is a you know a souffle girl twice, and uh, there's a lot of promise, and it's it, it's basically the springboard for the series that's then going to follow. So I, I think on balance, it deserves a four out of five. Very good. All right, well, that's our review of The Snowman, and we're looking forward to this year's uh, Christmas special, which is, uh, I, we assume, will be, once again, December 25th. Uh, if not, it, maybe the day before or after, but most likely then. We'll look forward to that. We don't, you know, we don't have any inside information on what we'll, that will be about, but, you know, it'll be interesting seeing, seeing how the 50th anniversary special sort of ends, and we assume that the Christmas special will pick up from that. Well, I mean, I know you've got plans to catch up with Podshock and, and all that's been missed, but uh, are we, for our listeners, at least going to bookend the series and go for the name of the Doctor? Well, that's that was our thinking. If we can get this episode out and then the next before um, the, um, the, the, the um the day of the Doctor, then we can <laughs> we can do the bookends and then work our way in the middle. <laughs> So, uh, uh, I, I mean, what, what, I mean, if I, unless our listeners think otherwise, I mean, should we go to um, the next? Should we review the next episode or, or jump to the name of the doctor right before you know and get that episode out, episode out to you before um, the day of the doctor? Well, I think it would be a good scene setter, but there you go. Yeah, no, I, you know, we, we sort of debated which one we should do first on this episode. We got plenty to cover, and now we got new episodes on top of that. So um, we're, we're, our reviews are going to be kind of like we're going to be traveling back and forth in time. <laughs> we're going to go, uh, you know, yeah. we'll have an ice warrior on one day, and then we'll have um, John Hurt the other. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see where where things go, but um, it's going to be interesting nonetheless. And then we got the lost episodes of Trouton to cover as well. There's lots lots of exciting new Doctor Who Podshock coming your way, and well, I guess without further ado, we should get to feedback. Um, I know we're running sort of late here, so um, we do appreciate everyone's um, um, well wishes of the return of Dr. Hupanchak. Um I know uh, a lot of people on, on Twitter and Facebook and on our website have been uh, posting messages welcoming us back and um, being thankful that, you know, that, that we recovered from the storm, and, and I appreciate it very much. You know, so to to that point, we did get a couple messages on you know um, welcoming us back, and I'd like to play that to you. For I'd like to play those to you now. Hi, Lewis. This is Trevor Smith calling in from Nottingham here in the UK, saying welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Great to have uh, Podshock back on the air again after such a, a long time away. Uh, this is sort of irony. I've I've listened to your first post Sunday broadcast. Uh, the day after we've had a bit of a battering storm um, reach the UK over here. Thankfully, nowhere near as damaging, damaging as what uh, you had over there. Uh, it was really sad to hear what had happened to New York uh, last year because it's only been a couple of years previously. I've been in New York for Halloween for my 50th birthday, and we walked around in, in T-shirts. I remember walking around uh, Central Park in a Dalek T-shirt in beautiful sunny weather, so it was such a shock to see what happened to me two years later, but it's good that you recovered and are on the way back and there's going to be brand new pod shop. Really looking forward to it. I hope there's going to be reviews of uh, 
the forthcoming Doctor Who goodies to celebrate the 50th anniversary, namely Mark Gatiss's An Adventure in Time and Space, um, the, uh, day of, the Day of the Doctor, 50th anniversary, and, uh, of course, the forthcoming Christmas with the regeneration and the first chance to see the 12th Doctor, Peter Capaldi. Really looking forward to it. Glad to have you back, uh, Lewis, and hope to hear more soon. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Trevor. Yeah, it's... Um, it's, it's As I've been saying, it's great to be back, and we, we did suffer a lot of damage here in the New York area, especially those on the coastal areas, and, uh, you know, I guess, unfortunately, I'm, I'm one of those in, in that um, in those areas here. Not not far from me is uh, is the Long Beach Boardwalk, which was completely devastated and, and destroyed. It's... Um, it's four miles. Well, it's it's about two miles um, long. I, I used to bike it, and I would do four miles or maybe four miles and change if you go from one end to the other and back again. So it's a significant boardwalk. It's not just you know, and it's it's been there for at least seventy five years or whatever. It's it's, it's a um, historical, and just to see that completely gobbled up by the storm and, and destroyed. I mean, and that's just, you know, there are other, there's, um, and I don't mean just to focus on New York, but New Jersey was hit pretty bad as well. And they've, they've been, they were, um, there was a roller coaster that found its way in the ocean because, and, and there's, if you search the internet, you'll see these photographs of the roller coaster still sitting in the ocean because it, the, it was on a like a, a boardwalk itself, a, a pier, and that was destroyed, and the ocean took the the, the, the rides that were on that because it was like an amusement park. Um, forgive me, I don't remember the, the actual town um, offhand. So yeah, it's, it's and as far as like New York City goes, um, you mentioned Central Park. Um, the city um, itself, uh, there are certain areas of the city that were, hit, especially like anything underground. Subway stations were flooded. Um, certain lines didn't open up until months and months and months later. So it, it was devastating to um, lots of areas, especially any, anywhere that's close to the water. But we're we're recovering. You know, the boardwalk just—I mentioned the Long Beach boardwalk. It, it just this month they reopened it. You know, it took a year, a little bit more than a year, but they finally reopened the the boardwalk. So that's the boardwalk is back. So they rebuilt it. Moving ahead, this is another welcome back message. This was one, this one's from Anthony Birch, who's been on the show um, several times, and um, I, I think he's a person that needs no more introduction. So I'll let him speak for himself here. Greetings, Louis Trapani. This is Anthony Burge. How are you today? This is my feedback for episode 282 of Doctor Who Podshock. Uh, your listeners may know me as a past contributor at, for Doctor Who Podshock and the Coltum Collective, and also as the editor and author of The Mythological Dimensions of Doctor Who and The Mythological Dimensions of Neil Gaiman. Lewis, it is so fantastic to hear you come back to Dr. Who Podshock and bring it back after a year-long hiatus. Due to the effects of Superstorm Standy upon your home and your area, and that we've all missed you, Jesse and myself, and I'm sure every listener of Dr. Who Podshock. And that uh, thank you for keeping us surprised of your situation over the last year with your Tumblr blog and uh, Facebook and Twitter updates. I know it's been a long, hard road, and we've done our best to keep in touch and hopefully help to keep your spirits up to get you to this point and uh, to hear your voice on Dr. Who Podshock. You sound very 
large in spirit and uh, very happy to be back. And we we hope to continue to hear your voice and, and your news and everything Doctor Who related for Doctor Who Podshock. I want to offer a few thoughts on uh, episode 282 and a little uh, bit of news from our end. First, uh, with episode 282, I think it's absolutely fantastic that you're able to provide a lost episode for us listeners. Um, Now you're on par with some of the lost episodes of Doctor Who. And uh, your opening, recording Podshock Inside a Pod, has lots of... I'm sure jokes to come, uh, you know, just the idea of metaphor and, and recording Podshock inside a pod, which you, you joke about in the episode. But ultimately, it's great to hear that the, the pod is empty and your home is uh, returning to a bit of normalcy and that your recovery efforts are, are near an end or have fully ended. And um, I was so very happy to hear that uh, to no end. And uh, it's always great to see that you have an episode fully for us. Um, and I love the coverage that you provided for the audio books and for the Doctor Who book. And it's great to hear, which I knew of, Astrology by uh, the Tin Dog. And um, that you were able to give away a copy of our book, uh, The Mythological Dimensions of Neil Gaiman. Um, and I'm very grateful for the uh, feedback that Justin provided towards the end of the episode, uh, that he says he liked it, enjoyed it. And it's always good to hear that, you know, someone felt that way of our book. And if they didn't, then I'd love to hear some constructive criticism, so how to do, so, do better next time. Um, but of course, it's always good to hear your voice and the rapport you have with uh, Dave A.C. Cooper from the Colton Collective and, and the hosting that you guys do, which is just absolutely fantastic. As you know, I'll always hold Dr. Who Podshock uh, near and dear to my heart. I think you know why. Um, as we can go back in time and state that I, at one time I had a concussion and I was up in bed for almost eight weeks and I was listening to back episodes of Doctor Who Podshock. This is during the editing process of the Mythological Dimension Doctor Who and I'm so very grateful to have listened to you, Ken, James, Dave, and everybody else on Doctor Who Podshock and help get my cognitive functions back up and running uh, as I don't have a positronic matrix like data. Um, Some other news that you may or may not be aware of since you've uh, featured slightly the mythological dimensions of Neil Gaiman on Dr. Podshock 2A2 Kitsune Books has since closed. December 31st, 2012, they closed, and the rights to our books reverted back to Jessica, myself, and Christine. This was due to Ann Petty, our editor and publisher, uh, falling ill, and um, we lost her a few months ago over the summer. Um, She passed away, unfortunately. Since then, Jesse and I have created our own imprint, publishing imprint called Myth Inc. Books. And 
And Mythic Books, uh, we consider being purveyors of the weird, eclectic, and strange. Uh, we have the two books that we've republished, The Mythological Dimensions of Doctor Who and The Mythological Dimensions of Neil Gaiman, which won an award in December of 2012 from the Florida Publishing Association. It's the gold, President's Gold Medal in the category of Science Fiction and Fantasy. And we're very grateful for that and that uh, very happy that Ann Petty was able to see that awarded for her publishing house at that time before her passing. Um, but we also recently published our first book of short stories, The Friendly Horror and Other Weird Tales, which we're very grateful to Dave Cooper for covering in the Colton Collective. Um, but special to Pod Shock that I will uh, let you know now is I'm currently working on a full website for Myth Inc. books. And right now it's only linkable, you know, with information about our publications on our website for Comfy Chair. Comfy Chair being our geek blog. And it's comfychairzine.blogspot.com. Mythinkbooks.com is coming very soon. And there will be an announcement for a new collection. We decided to retire the Mythological Dimension series since that was exclusive to Kitsune Books. And Jesse and I have just recently come up with a title for a new series of books that will cover a variety of um, interests that we have and hopefully interests to the reading public. The first this series of books is going to be called Ambassadors of Geekdom. And the first volume of Ambassadors of Geekdom will be dedicated to Doctor Who. Uh, this volume will be very much different in tone to the mythological dimensions of Doctor Who and Neil Gaiman. We'll, of course, have some opinion pieces and perhaps a, an academic scholarly piece or two, but we really wanted to open it more to the fandom in general and have essays on cosplay, on gaming, on podcasting, whatever way um, geeks express their fandom for something they love, in this volume being Doctor Who. So yes, first, Podshock's the first to learn that Ambassadors of Geekdom is a new volume of a uh, series of books that will be forthcoming from Myth Inc. Books, the first volume dedicated to Doctor Who. Uh, Jesse and I are very excited about this. All of the information on how to contribute, all the details will be coming up on MythInkBooks.com, which is not ready just to launch, but I'll let you guys know when it's launched and when the information is available. But just want to let your listeners know exclusively that this is forthcoming. So again, uh, Lewis, I thank you very much for staying in touch and letting us know how you're doing and for your updates on your recovery efforts. And uh, I look forward to being able to provide Dr. Who Pachak with some reports from the upcoming Long Island Dr. Who Con taking place uh, November 8th through the 10th. Um, Dr. Who Pachak the first podcast I've ever reported for, and um, I've reported for Colton Collective, and I write currently for uh, Doctor Who Archive, and I do blog for Gallifreyan Embassy. But I'm very grateful for all the support you have lent us for our work, and shall continue to do so for Doctor Who Podshock. This is Anthony Burge, signing out. Uh, thank you so much, Anthony. Thank you for your support. It's been an ongoing effort, and I, I do thank you. 
Okay, let me um, just add in there because obviously um, uh, it's difficult getting towards uh, all the feedback. Just to say, of course, that Long Island Who event did go ahead and they've already announced that there will be a Long Island 2 and I think that's going to be from the 8th to the 10th of November. Um, mm -hmm. this, uh, that, uh, no, uh, yeah, 7th to the 9th, sorry. The 7th to the 9th in 2014. It was this year's that was the 8th to the 10th. So um, th that was the one he was referring to that uh, he went to. J just a quick shout-out for the Colton Collective. If you look on our feeds, you'll find uh, uh, we've done interviews with them on the two Mythic books and, uh, and their latest, as he said, from sorry, with Mythic books, the friendly horror and other weird tales. Yeah, and condolences so on... Um, if, you, on the... if you search our feed for that. Yeah, I was just uh, condolences on the on the publisher of uh, um, you know Kitson uh, books. There, it's a tragic that she um, passed. So you know, uh, as to my understanding, so young. So other than that, good stuff. I'm glad to hear that that there's new works, and I believe that he has uh, Anthony posted on since he left this feedback. Um, since then, he posted on our website Pachak.net a call out for contributors for another new book i believe and um you can go to you know as i said pachak.net or gallifernembassy.org and um check his blog he has a blog there where um he he has a call out for um contributors yeah dot who ambassadors of geekdom yeah yes that's it thank you all right. Well, we have. Um, we're going to. This is um, someone that called into the Doctor Who public call box. You can call anytime you want to leave feedback. Uh, feel free to call that. It's um, um, the, the number for the Pachak public call box is two zero six three five zero six four six three, and uh, it feel it's, it works as voicemail. Just feel free to use it any time, day or night, and you can call and leave um, voicemail. You can leave a message there for feedback. Uh, just realize it's a 206 number in the U.S., so uh, if phone rates apply to you, just be aware of that. Um, so we got um, three messages from one person who unfortunately didn't leave his name, so I, I don't mean to be rude by not including his name. I just don't know it. So um, and, and it's pretty much um, the, the three are kind of linked together, you know, are related to each, uh, each other. So I'm just going to play them consecutively one after the other. So I have a lot of ideas for Doctor Who that we knew I think we should meet the Weeping Angels again in the Doctor season and completely flips out about that since about Amy and Rory that would be sort of a good idea I thought about it's kind of all the ideas I can think about right now thank you for I hope you can try to get this on the show for me it would kind of make me really happy thank you bye I have another idea that after a few day, few weeks after the anniversary, 50th anniversary, the 11th Doctor meets the first Doctor. We get the same actor for the first Doctor in the anniversary special to play him. They meet each other. Let's... Bye. Hi, I have a perfect idea. Like, maybe they should pay tribute to Elizabeth Sladen with a special episode or something. That'd be a good idea. I don't know. That's all I can think of right now, because since tomorrow is the 19th, when she died April 19th, 2011. And, yeah, bye, thank you. 
Well, thank you. I should explain that these uh, these messages, these feedbacks came back came to us between uh, February and April of, of of this year. So that's uh, if they seem a little dated, that's because um, he he's, was referencing um, Elizabeth Sladen's death, which I believe happened in April. Um, so it was on on the anniversary. Um, uh, there's some good ideas that would be great you know if they did utilize um the actor that's playing the first doctor in adventures in time and space in the actual series and have him meet up with the first doctor i don't think it's going to happen but it's it's um it's an interesting idea Okay. So uh, thank you for your contribution. Unfortunately, when I, if you leave feedback, just please include. It doesn't have to be your full name, just your first name, just so I can, you know, we can refer to you as you know your name and not just someone that calls. <laughs> so, uh, but thank you, um, the person that didn't leave his name. Thank you for calling and, and making contributions, and um, it's 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 cool that you did. Thank you. And uh, and uh, we'll see what the fiftieth anniversary um, has for us and what's going to come after that. Uh, just another note on feedback. Uh, we want to hear from you. So speaking of the 50th anniversary, um, we want to hear how you're going to be celebrating the 50th, 50th anniversary. Are you doing a party? Are you doing a marathon? Are you pulling out some favorite episodes of in your collection, be it on DVD or Blu-ray or even VHS and watching those over again? Are you doing anything special to celebrate 50 years of Doctor Who? Um, or even if you're not doing anything special, anything out of the ordinary, what does 50 years of Doctor Who mean to you? And um, you could, we want to hear what your feedback is and, and what your thoughts are about this anniversary year. And even though the 23rd is the is the actual anniversary, um, I think we can celebrate the anniversary for the whole year. And and so you know, it, it don't feel if 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 you're listening to this show after the 23rd, don't feel that you missed the boat. Still, please send in your feedback. We want to hear what what 50 years of Doctor Who means to you. All right. Well, I think that's going to round out this show. Um, I know we, we've um, between feedback and um, and and whatnot, we have, we made reference to the Coltham Collective. You'll find these two fine gentlemen, Ian and Dave, running the Coltham Collective week after week on Sunday on Talk Show. What was that? Makes it sound so organized. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys are organized. Dave, did you want to give our listeners the um, the Talk Show ID and? How people can catch the, oh, the show? Oh, certainly will. Yes, wake up, everybody. Wake up, Now that you're all falling asleep. <laughs> yep, that collective podcast. We go out live every Sunday at two uh, two p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as now is. But whatever, whether it's Standard Time or summertime, whenever that is. Um, yeah, seems a long time ago now, summer. Uh, so it's call ID five. I know where you are. Call, yeah. <laughs> it's call ID five four eight two one. There are now well over four hundred episodes, four hundred and fifteen episodes up. And if you go to zaban.com, if you're only interested in our commentaries, you'll find those there. Not just Doctor Who, but of other things. Because one of the things about the Cult Collective is that we cover. Yeah, we can be boring about anything. We don't just bore about Doctor Who. So give that. And we have a blog at cultland.com, and we have, of course, a, a Twitter account. And that is simply Colton. Oh, very good. And uh, and our site once again is uh, podshock.net or gallifrandembassy.org. And uh, we we also have a Twitter account too at podshock. You can follow that too. 
um, also on Facebook and all the usual places, and um, and we don't beg people for likes and all that. <laughs> if, I think if we do a good show, it's you can you can you can like us without us asking for it. So, but um, once again, thank you. I know it's been a long show. I want to thank you both, um, Ian and Dave, for especially. I mean, well, both of you. But I know Dave. It's five in the morning in the UK there for you. So when he wasn't kidding when he said he had to wake up. <laughs> what was that, Ian? I'm sorry. That he's not getting any younger. Oh well. I'm looking forward to the hundredth anniversary of Doctor. Yeah, none of us are getting any younger. And, yeah, because he wants to know what what Doctor Doctor Who feels like when it gets to be as old as he is now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I've decided, Ian. What you want to buy me for Christmas is a five hundred year diary. <laughs> Another one. <laughs> yeah, the second one's full. The first one's full. <laughs> uh, thanks for having us on, and uh, yeah, we enjoyed ourselves. Well, thank you once again. Too much. All right, so I, I guess the next yes. we're jumping ahead to uh, name of the not name of the yeah name of the doctor. Um, I guess will be our next uh, review. So and then we'll fill in you know in between there. So it's like an Oreo cookie of um, biscuit, if you will, of um, Doctor Who reviews. So until next time, um, cheers, everyone. Bye. Just hours after we finished recording this episode of Doctor Who Podshock, the Doctor Who mini-episode, The Night of the Doctor, was released, much to our surprise. This was like no other mini-episode that came before. This rocked our world. Now, if you haven't seen it yet, which I doubt you made it through the end of this podcast without um, having seen it yet, so, but if you haven't, it's available on our website, podshock.net. Now, what I say henceforth will be spoilery if you haven't seen it yet, so give yourself, you know, that's fair warning right now. That's, I'm giving you a fair warning. Wow. Okay, so um, we've had many episodes that preceded full-length episodes before of Doctor Who. They call them prequels, though since they're actually released before the actual episode, they're more like prologues or pre- preludes Um but that's neither here or there now. Um, they will often have characters outside of the Doctor and his companion or companions. But so at times they do feature the Doctor. Now, if it was the 11th Doctor, or even the 10th Doctor for this mini-episode, The Night of the Doctor, on the cusp of the release of the Day of the Doctor, it would be somewhat expected. Even if it featured John Hurt... It would be interesting, but not all that surprising. What was surprising is that the mini-episode features the 8th Doctor. Yes, Paul McGann as the Doctor. Wow, what a delight. We've had so little screen time of McGann as the Doctor. Could this be true? Was it really happening? Was this really the 8th Doctor? I thought I was dreaming. For the many years that Dr. Upachak has been around, we've constantly got feedback suggesting how great it would be to have Paul back in the series. Perhaps not as a, a in a multi-doctor story since at the time it seemed very there was resistance to that idea um especially when Russell T Davies was the showrunner. 
So, you know, we suggested maybe as a flashback episode. I remember saying that since we were getting all these Dr. Light episodes each year, why not use McGann for one of them? Well, we'll do a full review of this mini episode next time. I thought it would just I thought I would just add some comments here tacked to the end of this episode since it was already in post production at the time. Uh, what is it, it's such a great gift to all Doctor Who fans and and to Paul McGann. This was released on his birthday. I don't know if that was deliberate or coincidental. I, I would like to believe it was it was the former. Not only were we treated to more screen time with the eighth doctor, just you know, which before we only had the nineteen ninety six TV movie. Uh, he was signed on for five years at that time to follow, you know, with a series to follow the TV movie, but unfortunately that series never came to be. It wasn't until almost like a decade later before Doctor Who returned to our screens with Christopher Eccleston playing the Ninth Doctor. So not only are we treated to more time with the Eighth Doctor, uh, we also revisit the Sisterhood of Khan, which goes back to the Brain of Morbius, a Fourth Doctor story. Uh, story starring Tom Baker. So I'm pleased that they're utilizing them again. I, I thought they were a great um, story element back then, and it's it's great to see them back, and it, it bridges everything together. Um, this mini-episode bridges the gaps between Doctor Who old and new and in between, all within a few minutes. Now Doctor Who fans are petitioning for more Eighth Doctor stories on TV. I don't know if that will happen, but I, for one, would welcome it. Anyway, we'll do more. We'll, we'll talk more about this in our next episode. Uh, this one, this episode of Dr. Pachak is running a bit long. I do apologize for that. I even had to cut out a big segment from it. Uh, we'll, you know, put that back in another time. So come back next time for more discussions on The Night of the Doctor, the mini episode. And we'll be reviewing the series finale that was on earlier this year, The Name of the Doctor, as a lead into The Day of the Doctor. So many doctors, so little time. Will it hurt? Yes. <laughs> anyway, until next time, cheers, everyone. You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock, presented to you by the fan-run GallifernMC.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Pachak theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This podcast is also supported by the Pachak Podcast Companion app now in the iTunes App Store. Visit arttrap.com for more information on this and other podcasts. Yes. What? I'm trying to read. Miss Clara and her concerns about the show. I gave her the one-word test. Oh, it was pointless. What did she say? Well, well. Pond. <laughs>